And I think that we could hinder a lot of the transmission if we kept uh, the pigs in the same litter and accepted that the size are not completely equal. But maybe it will benefit them anyway because they will not uh, get the same amount of uh, pathogens circulating. Hello. Welcome to this Meet the Expert podcast on swine health management in practice, brought to you by Beringer Ingleheim. My name is Peter Best. In this podcast, we continue a conversation with Dr. Pia Root Hansen in Denmark about influenza A virus or IAV. Dr. Root Hansen is a veterinary virologist at the University of Copenhagen who has been making a particular study of the characteristics of IAV in a modern sow herd. What areas of research are opening up that you see that need to be addressed? Because you're talking about a wide range of a spectrum, as I called it. You're talking about possibilities that are being raised, which have real uh, important implications. What research is ongoing to your knowledge, and what areas need to be researched most actively? Yeah, we're still looking into the evolution of the virus uh, in the individual herds. So as I said, I only performed this study in a few uh, sow herds, so it needs to be confirmed on a greater scale as well. And we need to understand also what makes these uh, influenza viruses sonotic uh, uh, to people. Um, it's also uh, an important uh, an important area and uh, actually we just got a new research project looking into that so we can understand which of these uh, these swine viruses are actually a danger to to causing the next pandemic yeah. now uh, for the second part of our conversation then please i'd like to concentrate on the practical lessons for herd health management and on the pig site uh and specifically those that have come from your own research, to start with, have the dynamics, uh, transmission dynamics of IAV and sowherds, if they changed in you, have they changed in recent years in a particular way, would you say? Yeah, so definitely uh, they have changed the last 10 years as the herds have gotten bigger. We've seen that the virus persists within the herd and, uh, and are infecting uh, all year round, as we mentioned earlier. And we also looked into the effect of these maternally derived antibodies, which um, which we have now seen uh, that the protection uh, that you obtain through these maternally derived antibodies are not complete. And they can actually maybe uh, uh, enhance the level of uh, persistent, of viral persistent over time in the herd. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Uh, and again, I'm trying to think well, how to respond to that in practice. What would I do to uh, to uh, adapt to that question? Let's move on and come back, if I may, uh, on that one. Uh, at what age or stage do pigs become infected? And what do you think is the reason for the infection occurring at that stage? Well, actually, we've seen that uh, piglets of only three days of age can become infected and they can become infected even if they are positive for these maternally derived antibodies. So it starts as soon as they are born. Uh, of course, it takes some incubation period before the piglets start shedding the virus, and that's why they're probably three days of age and not 
completely newborn, but it starts already in the faring unit. And you need to, to realize that to be able to control the disease because uh, uh, previously it was mostly believed to be a problem when the pigs are moved into the nursery. Uh, but uh, actually it's a problem that you bring along from the faring unit into the nursery. So the control focus should be already at the faring unit. It could the, the transmission is occurring from one litter to another in the firing unit? It is indeed, and I think that's also part of the way that we manage the swine herds nowadays, uh, because uh, we are trying uh, the best we can to equalize the litters uh, based on size, and that is not very good from a, a pathogen perspective, let's say, because we are actually enhancing the spread of all, not just influenza, but all different kinds of uh, of pathogens between the litters. And the same when we are weaning them into the nursery, uh, the farmer also seems to want to uh, mix them into these pens where they are more or less the same size instead of moving them litter-wise. And I think that we could hinder a lot of the transmission if we kept uh, the pigs in the same litter and accepted that the size are not completely equal but maybe it will benefit them anyway because they will not uh, get the same amount of uh, pathogens circulating. Mm. But, okay, in the firing unit, if I may just ask one uh, follow-up question on that, you know, should we, I assume that an IAV-positive sow also has an IAV-positive litter? Yes, that's actually one of the things we looked into. So we wanted to also sample the sows because previously most have been looking at the piglets and we found a, a good uh, correlation between the litter being positive and the sow being positive at the same time. But we don't exactly know the directionality. So which way is the transmission? Ah, you think it might be piglet to sow? Oh. It could also be. So if the sows are not properly immunized before they are put into the fairing unit, where they, we know that there is a large circulation of influenza, then they are at really high risk of getting infected just one week before fairing, which is probably the worst time to get infected because they need to be at their best when they need to farrow and start milking. So we could really do a big change, I think, there if they are properly immunized before moving into the fairing unit. Hmm. Sure. So we've got to be looking both at guilt introduction, as you said earlier, and uh, about what we're doing with the sows uh, in terms of making them immunized when they arrive. Yes. Yeah. And I think the guilt part is also, it needs to be emphasized because uh, those are some of the only animals that are coming into the sow herds are the gills. And if we don't have a proper quarantine where we also include uh, at least two vaccinations, then they can either bring in a novel subtype or they will come in in the herd completely naive and thereby contribute to the whole transmission dynamic in the herd. So those are some mm. very important animals to, to look into. Hmm. I see. Uh, it sounds to me like uh, uh, many of these things could apply to other viruses as well, but IAV is a good marker for that. Definitely, yeah. And uh, you should remember that uh, IAV is part of the porcine respiratory disease complex, so if you limit uh, the transmission of one of them, the clinical signs will also be, be less. Okay, so we need all in, all out in the firing unit. We need well protected sows when they arrive we, and guilts to receive that attention. And uh, pig flow, I suppose, we've got to be very much aware of that. 
and uh, age groups and litter groups, as you've mentioned, uh, would all help to to do it. Uh, does that mean uh, that um, you've identified particular parts of the swine population in a sow herd as playing a, a key role in the herd level persistence of IAV that you're now describing? Yeah, the piglets are actually, I guess they would be the key uh, role in transmitting the, the virus further on. And also the sows, because they are the ones who are staying inside the herd the longest and are transferred among the production uh, system. So so those, yeah, you need to look into both of them. Hmm. Now, I should have asked you again a very detailed question. You talked about the grouping of pigs, the litter grouping. What do you do with sick pigs is a practical question. Do you have hospital pens and how good or bad is that in an IAV context? Well, I think that uh, that is a very good question. And I think uh, you need to uh, to look into how you handle the sick, sick pigs because most uh, herds, I guess, at least in Denmark, they are making these uh, sick pens. And it's becoming very difficult because how can you introduce these pigs from the sick pens back into the herd without also transmitting uh, disease into the healthy leaders. So I think the more you can avoid uh, transferring the pigs into a sick pen, the better. So try to treat them in the pen that they originate from, and only if they are very sick, then uh, you need to take them out, of course. Hmm. Thank you for those points. Uh, now, you mentioned maternal, maternally derived sorry, antibodies earlier. Um, would you just go back on that? What is what is the role of MDAs in piglets, according to your experience uh, with IAV? Yeah, so uh, MDAs are, of course, yeah, antibodies transferred from the sows to the piglet, and uh, it's something that uh, I guess, at least in Denmark, the vaccine uh, is mainly used for sows to stimulate the production of antibodies uh, to be transferred to the piglets, so we can protect them in the the farrowing unit. However, uh, in our studies, we've seen that uh, that you need to consider or for to get an optimal protection of these maternally derived antibodies in the piglet, you need to have a certain level uh, of the maternally derived antibodies, but also uh, the homology uh, between what the virus, the antibodies are directed against uh, compared to the circulating strain is uh, very uh, important for how efficient they are. So we have seen that the MDAs can uh, can protect the piglets at least the first uh, three weeks of life, but then they will start getting infected uh, again. And also, if you have a pig that become infected during uh, the presence of MDAs, uh, it actually shed virus for a longer time, and that can increase the herd level persistence. So the shedding increases with it. The yeah. shedding time increases, uh, not uh, yeah, not yes. the virus time. Oh, sorry, not the load, <laughs> yeah. not the load, the time. Yes, thank yeah. you. I understand that. Uh, so uh, we talked about vaccination. Have have there been any changes about where and when to vaccinate as a result of your research? Well, at least we have tried to to emphasize to the veterinarians that they really need to uh, adjust the expectation and make a plan with the farmer when they begin because. When you use inactivated vaccines, as we do in Europe, you cannot expect sterilizing immunity so the disease or the virus will not uh, go away when you start vaccinating. So if you make the farmer believe that he will be 
pretty disappointed. So the vaccine mainly has a claim on the clinical science uh, and reducing the spread of virus to the lungs. So, so that is what you should also measure if you want to see the effect of the vaccine. So you should actually mm. maybe with a coughing index compare before and after vaccination uh, well, instead yes. of measuring virus. Yes. Uh what about the choice of vaccine? Your findings about the so-called drift of IAV surely make us question using the same IAV vaccines for years. Yes, but uh, so far in Europe, it's our only option. We only have uh, very few uh, vaccines available. In Denmark, only two different. So uh, that's what we have to work with. And as I said, we also need studies to see how much this genetic drift are actually impacting the vaccine, because we know using these events, we can have a broader immune response. But uh, I think it's pretty spectacular that we have 20-year-old strains that are genetically yes. very yeah. different to the ones we have circulating now. And bearing in mind the field veterinarians listening to this podcast, Pierre, um, you you you've used sequencing to identify strains and so on. Would you say that sequencing is now to be recommended to uh, as a as a standard procedure almost in herds, uh, so that uh, you get a better picture of d the development of disease and infection? I think definitely sequencing can be used as a tool for the herd veterinarian to to become wiser uh, on what is going on in the herd and understanding the transmission dynamics. So it would be optimal if you had a kind of uh, um, ongoing identification of the herd strain and see how it changes over time. So it could help explain if you all of a sudden feel like your vaccine is not working or if you're experiencing an acute outbreak of respiratory disease, uh, we would be able to go in and see if the herd strain has changed or actually a novel strain has come in. So I think now that it's becoming uh, cheaper to do this sequencing, uh, it should, uh, it could and should be used uh, as a, a, an additional diagnostic tool. And it will also help us researchers to get much wiser on what is going on. But are you saying have it done routinely even when there isn't a particular episode that would prompt you to do this? Or would you wait for something to happen and then you sequence in to investigate it? I think that if you don't have it continuously, you cannot uh, tell the whole story, I guess. So it would be most optimal to have a, a continuous uh, surveillance in the herd. Um, would you? Yeah. Uh, how frequent and how do you do it? Very quickly, please. Well, uh, optimally, it would be once a month, but I guess uh, it could no. also be, yeah, it depends on the herd, but uh, what they are up to. But uh, I think that would be optimal. And you get the results quickly enough these days to uh, be able to use this in your investigation quite quickly. Uh, yeah, so nowadays it only takes uh, maybe three days before we have a full genome of the herd strain. Yes, and you mentioned coughing. Uh, we've had a an earlier podcast in our Meet the Experts series where we spoke to Dr. Greg Stevenson in America about the monitoring of coughing in pigs as a guide to different respiratory diseases, including influenza. Uh, your particular studies have included then a cough index or something, some assessment of coughing. Is that right? 
It is, yeah, we calculated a coughing index uh, in the litters that we sampled, and we found a correlation to influenza being present. I should just mention that for influenza, at least when we look at the very young pig, it is important that it's a coughing sneezing uh, index because they actually sneeze more than they cough. It's more the older <laughs> pigs that are coughing. And also we looked at individual clinical signs and also nasal discharge is also correlated with the finding of influenza in the individual pig. So there's a correlation, uh, and that's correlation with individual pigs, did you say, or with pens or litters or whatever? What was that correlation again, please? Yeah, so we see that uh, the positive uh, litters will have a higher coughing index, and on the individual level, we can see that if we have a pig with nasal discharge, then it is uh, more likely to also shed influence at the same time. Oh, right. So certainly... You know, a coughing monitor would be a helpful tool in identifying a IAV positive uh, pigs for diagnostic reasons. So. It definitely is. It could be a tool used to to choose which pig to sample for the diagnostic. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you very much, Pia. And the, let's go back to your basic message about the year-round uh, infection that is now IAV. It's not seasonal and that uh, we should be aware that how we uh, practice our management systems on the farm have a big influence on its persistence and there are certain measures that we can take which uh, would help us in that situation. And thank you very much then to Dr. Pia Rutansen for her help in this podcast today about influenza A virus in pigs. Uh, thank you to our listeners for joining us in this podcast. There will be more podcasts in the Meet the Expert series, but for now, thank you and goodbye.